This podcast is part of the SJ Network. Go to s-j-network.com for more great podcasts and for contact information on publicist Steve Joyner. Henry, what are you doing on that horse made of concrete? I thought it was obvious. I want to be a concrete cowboy. Maybe you should listen to today's interview with Liz Priestley first to get a better idea of what a concrete cowboy is. I'll do that, but I'd better find a bulldozer first. What on earth do you need a bulldozer for? It's the simplest way to clean up after a concrete horse. Attention rebels of the sure pollution. Today's podcast is being brought to you by Audible. You can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com sherpa. There are over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And now Mr. Bruce will lead you into the Sherpa Chalet. As a reminder, the restrooms are located near the yellow snow. Coming to you from Sherpa Chalet in beautiful downtown Mount Podcastia, it's time for entertainment interviews in the Sherpa Screening Room. Grab an aisle seat and a bucket of popcorn, but don't crunch too loud or you'll miss the show. Now, here's your host, Jim, the podcast Sherpa. Hey there, Rebels, and welcome to the Sherpa Screening Room, a presentation of Too Many Podcasts. I am Jim, the podcast Sherpa, the 2021 version. Is he taller? No. Richer? No. Better looking? No. Funnier? Come on. Give me a break. (laughs) We're here. And these are one of the types of episodes that I really enjoy. You know, when I'm laughing during these interviews, I'm having fun, and that's a good thing. But when my guest is laughing as well, and we're both having fun, even better, because that's what this show is all about. Having a lot of fun, getting to know people, and that's what we're doing today. Her name is Liz Priestley. She was an opera singer and a musician and a stage actress, and she just got a role in her first movie, and it's going to be on Netflix this year. It's called Concrete Cowboys, and I'm sure it's going to be great. Really looking forward to seeing it. And let's have a listen to my conversation with Liz Priestley. Hello there, Rebels. We are here in the Sherpa screening room, and I am really excited to be speaking with our guest today. She is in her first major movie. She's got a lifetime of talent. We've got a lot of stuff to cover here. She's going to keep me pretty busy today. I told her there wasn't going to be any math, but I might change my mind halfway through the interview. I don't know. Jim, you promised. promised. (laughs) (laughs) She's in a new movie with Idris Elba called... Concrete Cowboys, please give a warm welcome to the lovely Liz Priestley. How you doing, Liz? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, thank you for having me. This is like such a pleasure. Uh, it's a thrill. So, yeah. Now, I know there's just so much to discuss with <laughs> your talent. And then you ended up in, in a movie opposite Idris Elba. That's like a weird... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a little-known actor, a little guy, you know, Idris Well, back. Yeah. Yeah, I sure did. (laughs) And that's just a start of a movie career. (laughs) Yeah. Kind of ironic that that's, you know, somebody said to me yesterday, usually when people make their movie debuts, they're debuting is, you know, shopper number four in the background with a little cart, not (laughs) opposite Idris Elba playing his wife. But I figured, you know, why, why not go big? That's right. (laughs) So I'm going big, right? You're like, 
I don't have time for a woman with red purse. <laughs> right. Right. No. Right now. no, I'm starting at the top, man. I got, I got a criteria. I got a whole thing I got to do now. <laughs> it's an incredible thing to be able to even just say out loud, much less have lived through. So yeah. Sure. Yeah, cool. Now, now you grew up in Philadelphia? Just outside. I'm actually from Abington. And, um, but yeah, I've been here my whole life. And I know you had a very large musical background. So when when did all of this first start? You must have been like a little kid, I'm guessing. (laughs) Um, Officially, all right. So it would have started at age four, um, which is when I started playing violin. Um, I ultimately played violin for about 18 years. I still play. I can still pick it up and play just fine. But um, I haven't taken a lesson in a little while. But um, that was the official start. And then around age 14, I began um, being trained in classical opera and um, kept that up all through high school. And during that time, I ended up studying piano as well. And a couple other things here and there, but not as seriously as those. But um, turned out singing was was the strong talent for sure. And there came a point where you know we got to decide: are we gonna are we gonna go music? Or are we gonna do something else? I chose to compromise uh, because I, you know, despite the musical stuff, I had always wanted to be an actor since I was seven. So that's when that started. So I decided to combine the two and went to school for musical theater and ended up in theater for 25 years. So, <laughs> Did you like doing all sorts of roles when you were in the theater or? Oh yeah. I mean, um, mostly musical theater, uh, but I've, yeah, I've done all kinds. I mean, I've done productions of Grease and of Annie and how to succeed in business without really trying and, you know, uh, and I've done a bunch of Shakespeare and, you know, I actually, I got into college singing songs from Fiddler on the Roof, which I had done when I was in high school, which is probably, I'll never ever get to be of that again. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I kind of, I did it all. I did it all. It was fun. Did you have any memorable roles when you were doing these? Oh man, my favorite Gosh, oh, I can't say that. I, I there's so many good ones. I would say it uh, up there would probably be uh, Greece because I played Marty, which was a role I I didn't think I would ever get to play. That was really fun. Plus the costumes. I mean, the '50s costumes. That whole dance scene was just like, oh, my dream. Um, that was fun. I've, I've done actually a lot of original plays here uh, from playwrights in Philly and. Um, after I had my daughter, I took some time off. My first play back was a play called The Matriarch's Mess. And I think that's up there with my, my favorite roles as well, because it was sort of, you know, I was taken over for somebody that had been let go. So I had a very short time to sort of jump in. And it was just, it was so great. I just bonded with the cast right away. I, I understood that character completely. And I just jumped in and it was like riding a bike. I didn't forget anything. It was just kind of like, oh, I know how to do this. You know, that was, that was fun. But yeah, I've done quite a few over the years. It's, it's a, it's a great industry. You know what I mean? It's a great industry. Yeah, I can imagine, especially if you're taking on a role in a play that maybe not a lot of people are familiar with, mm-hmm. when you put your spin on it and people notice that, it kind of becomes, well, well this was something that Liz Priestley did. Yeah. <laughs> when we did Fiddler on the Roof, for example, you know, um, I 
they did obviously they did colorblind casting um, because you're if you look at me you're not looking at you know a Russian Orthodox Jew you're looking at a black woman who you know very much looks like a black woman so but you know I got to I got to play Huddle in that show and I got to sing the song Far from the Home I Love and for like months afterward people were coming to. Such a beautiful, I love that song and I've never heard it sound so beautiful. I was like, this is great. Because <laughs> up until that point, you know, the only person I'd ever heard that sing that was, um, who was it? The old Broadway version from, I don't know, the 60s or 70s. So, yeah, it's kind of cool to put my own spin on it too. And also, you know, I forgot to mention the other thing. When I did Annie, I got to play Grace in Annie. And it was right after there was a TV version of Annie that had been made in, I think, 1996, maybe a little later, um, but starring Audra McDonald as Grace. And when I was a senior in high school, she came, she did a concert at the Kimmel Center in Philadelphia. And she held a master class before that. Somehow, somehow, some way, my name got slipped to her. And I got called out of school in the middle of class one day. They called me down to the office and they said, pack your bag. You're going to the Kimmel Center. You're going to go do a uh, master class with Audra McDonald. And I was like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I got to sing for her and I got to talk to her about, you know, doing that part, which was the same part she had played. So, she, you know, she said to me, she's like, do you get to wear a fancy dress at the end? And I said, yes, I do. And she's like, are you going to take it? And I was like, are you telling me to steal? Is Audra telling me to feel? <laughs> you know, I didn't keep the dress, but that was, I mean, I would say, um, you know, through college, people always compared our voices um, because she is an opera background as well. And um, so she, for me, is up there in terms of, you know, my heroes. So it was really cool to be able to sing for her and much less meet her. So, yeah, that's a highlight for sure. Okay. You know, you're actually the second opera singer that I've ever interviewed while really? doing the show. Yeah. First guy was a guy named Rosario Moretti, and he's from San Diego. Okay. And he's actually from Naples, Italy. Wow. And he, he uh, this, show, this show was on uh, a while back, and he was saying when he was living in Italy, he now lives in San Diego, he was the front man of a rock band. <laughs> and then, but he said he wanted to learn how to sing better and make better yeah. use of his voice. And someone came to him and said, you should learn opera. He said, that's, you know, the true use of that's your voice incredible. and how to, how to control it and everything. If you can sing opera, you could probably sing just about anything because the control, the level of control you have to have over your instrument. I mean, it's very precise. So that's incredible. I've never, I've never sung for a rock band before. Maybe that I'll have to add that to my list. <laughs> did you grow up listening to opera or did you like all sorts of music? Or? I, you know, my family, we listen to all kinds of things. I'm adopted. So my parents, I mean, we had everything from, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I'm going to name some people that I grew up listening to. Okay. Stevie Wonder, Bonnie Raitt, James Taylor, Donna Summer, um, like all the oldies stuff and every genre you could possibly think of. Uh, I'm the only person I know my age that can sing like 20 different Bonnie Raitt songs. I, I don't know. I think she's great. But, or, you know, Carly Simon, Carol King. I listened to all those growing up. And then, you know, along with that, I listened to like a bunch of, you know, rap and hip hop 
particularly as I got, you know, in my teens, I was a little late to that, but in my teens, I kind of got into it. And when I was in high school, um, like new metal was in and I, you know, I was really interested in that. I love that sound. I was a big fan of corn and, uh, you know, like that, those groups. And then, um, yeah, I, I like everything. I listen to jazz when I'm writing. I, I like everything. It just depends on my mood. But I grew up listening to, I mean, everything under the sun. I have a, I still have a cassette tape, a cassette tape in my bedroom that has 60s dance party music on it from one of my sisters in like the 80s. And I will not throw that tape away because I just love it. I have nothing to play it on, but I won't throw it away, you know? So yeah, we, we listen to everything, everything, which is great. This is absolutely great. I, I like that when people have a lot of different musical tastes, you know, mm-hmm. you, you know, especially if you get into a conversation about music with them, you don't get the, Oh, you listen to that? Yeah, right. <laughs> Why you listen to that? <laughs> uh, we listen to everything, everything. Um, but it made me appreciate everything. I mean, I still, you know, I'll throw on a, a Bee Gees soundtrack or some, the Beatles. Or I used to get in arguments with kid on, uh, kids on the uh, playground. We would have who was better, the Beatles or the Monkees. I was the only person that stood up for the monkeys because I was like, listen, they only didn't play on their first album. After that, they got to play. And they were like, oh, you know. Yeah, I was big into it. Big into it. <laughs> <laughs> I was a monkey f- monkeys fan too as well. Also oh, I, the Beatles. I, had a, I had a teddy bear named Mickey Dolan's. It's still around somewhere, I'm sure. <laughs> okay, you got me beat there, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> My nerdiness is coming out. I told you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we all have that in our closet. Every once in a while, yeah. it just kind of pops out. <laughs> it's all right. No shame. I have no, I have no shame. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's talk a little bit about the movie. Now, yeah. uh, the movie itself, Concrete Cowboys, is based on a book called Ghetto Cowboy. Mm-hmm. And even though it's a work of fiction, we were just saying earlier that there is – a strong dose of real history mm-hmm. in in the work of fiction. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of incredible how the movie ended up coming together because I know, you know, Greg the uh, Greg Neri the author wrote the book because of what he knew and he and ex- he had experienced. And then the director Ricky um who's not from Philly, I believe he's from California, but he was in Philly for a couple years. And he was in a cab or something like that. It looks out the window and a horse goes by his window. So he literally stopped the cab, got out and was like, where, what is that? And followed the guy back to the stables and heard the whole story. And so, yeah, it's kind of incredible how the the, the movie came together, but it's absolutely based on truth in a true community that has existed since the civil war and not just in Philly, but I mean, nationwide, black cowboys have existed nationwide for centuries. And, you know, as I said to you before, I'm a little ashamed to say I had no idea they existed until I got cast in this movie. So, yeah, I found that there's actually a book written by a guy named William Katz called mm-hmm. The Black West. And it's a lot about a lot of the, the black cowboys mm-hmm. and kind of how the whole story behind it. But, yes, it's something that the kids don't learn about in school and it's. It's very important. 
Yeah, we've been there's a there was an article about the film and it's, you know, had the quote that, um, you know, black cowboys have been whitewashed out of the conversation completely. And it's so true. The Hollywood, you know, mainstream cowboy movies, you don't see us in there. The books I read in school, we weren't in there either. So, yeah, it's weird not knowing that this is, you know, it's in my backyard. It's 20 minutes away from where I live and I took me until this many years old <laughs> to know that it was actually here. So, yeah. 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 But I mean, here you are living by a city that is like rife with history. So you're not going to get every last detail about every last story. So you pass on true. that one. <laughs> <laughs> true. But this is, I mean, you know, this is such a really cool and important part of that history that I'm excited to bring out. Because, you know, again, this particular group that is in our movie, Fletcher Street um, Stables, um, you know, they're one of, of a couple groups, but, you know, they've been losing funding over the years. The city's been closing down um, stables and things like that. And so I'm excited for people to really be like, where is that? I want my kid involved in that. Where, where do I, where do I find them? You know, mm -hmm. that's what I'm hoping happens. Yeah. And, and it is a real place that, that people yeah. can find. It's and not just those, a, yeah. Yeah. Some of those real cowboys are in our movie playing real cowboys, <laughs> you know? So that's kind of cool. And the movie was actually filmed on location, right? Yes. Yes. Here in Philly um, last August. Yeah. We, you know, that was trippy, you know, walking down the streets in North Philly and, and just seeing crowd. Well, I was about to say crowds of people, but if I'm going to be completely honest, it was crowds of women there to see Idris. Like, come on. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, I mean, it's just weird seeing just crowds of women every, every block, you know, but it was nice that our, our city got to be highlighted in that way. And I think people were very excited, like looking out their windows. Oh my goodness. There's a film crew, you know, that was, mm -hmm exciting how, how did you come to get involved in the movie you, you just got a call from an agent and said you want to try out for this yeah. movie? my you know my manager sent me the auditions he said uh <clears throat> feature film shooting in philly here's the part i don't think even she knew at that point that the part was idris's wife i don't think she knew or if she did she didn't tell me which might have been you know smart on her part i don't know but uh i don't think she knew um but you know i i was i was reading the scenes and i kind of got an idea oh, okay it's the mother of this character and then you know i'm googling and i see oh you know concrete cowboy to shoot in philly this summer then i see another thing Idris elba starring in a cowboy movie this summer shooting in philly and i'm starting to just kind of connect the dots and i'm like <laughs> i think this might be Idris's wife and at that point i still thought well there's no way right i'm nobody i have no film credits I, there's no way so if anything Maybe they'll cast me as a stand-in. That's what I was going with. I was like, maybe I'll, I'll get a stand-in. And really, I was thinking, uh, you know, I had seen uh, the casting people a couple times. I was really focused on showing them that I could do some different things because I had been called in for sort of comedic stuff before that. And I wanted them to see like, oh, I can be a dramatic actress as well. But I, I was not thinking I was going to get cast in this. I had thought I had, you know, no prayers, no hopes, no chances. I'm just like, I'll be lucky if I get to be shopper number four in the <laughs> back with the shopping cart. <laughs> you know? um, but then, you know, I went through one round of auditions and then the second round 
somewhere between the second and the third, I started going, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's going on here? Because I'm seeing the numbers of people I see in this room are dwindling. Now it's just me. What's going on here? And um, <laughs> at that point, I realized, oh, I think I might, I might actually be up for this. Like, this, this, this might actually be me, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I did hear at one point, um, Ricky Staub, the director, uh, was fighting for me, which I will appreciate until the day I die. I know that there was some discussion about, you know, we might want to bring a name actress in for this. And he had seen my audition video and was like, I want her. And I just thought that was so cool because again, who am I, <laughs> you know, who, who am I? Uh, but he, he took a chance on me and said, I want her. Let's, let's go with her. And, you know, three auditions later, that was me. I'm thinking like, so when they tell you, well, yeah, you'll be playing Idris Elba's wife. You'll, you were probably like, oh, all right, if I must. <laughs> I think the first time it was actually confirmed for me was in the second audition. The, you know, the, the second time I was there. And by the way, you know, so so the part as written then is not exactly how she is now in the movie. So then in the audition stage, she was a lot more rough around the edges. She had a lot more going on in terms of like, um, you know, she had a drug addiction and uh, none of this is in the movie now. The scene that they had me going in for was a real emotional scene. So I was sobbing my eyes out from the minute I walked in to the second I walked out. So I think the only time they saw me smile was the very last audition at the very end when I was like, thank you, you know. Um, <laughs> but during that second audition, you know, mid mid sobbing, they're like, and you know, this is, you know, this is the opposite Idris Elba. I'm like, yeah, I know, I got it. You know, it's like, I can't really react. I'm trying to stay But I think at that point, they kind of were like, does she know? We should probably tell her, you know. The so. poker face worked, right? Yeah. <laughs> and you were like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I had figured it out before that. And I, you know, kind of, I kind of was like, all right, just, just prepare. I don't know how far this is going to go, but. This could be, this could be. And I never met him during the entire audition process, which I hear unusual. You know, I think at some point in a in another kind of film, maybe we would have had like a chemistry read or we would have met somewhere in that. I did not meet him until we were on horses on set. So, <laughs> yeah. Were you an experienced horse rider at all or? No. No, <laughs> no in fact, um, I the last time I was on a horse, I was like in college. And that's when I found out I am severely allergic to horses. Idris is as well, and so is Caleb. So, but yeah, I, I've been on a horse one time, and I ended up in the hospital with an EpiPen in my thigh because I just, it's, I, it was bad. When I, after I got cast, the weekend that I got cast, I got sent the script. Of course, I read through it, and then I see at the end, it says something about, you know, mom gets on the horse. I called them up, and I said, ah. Uh. <laughs> I know I, I've been one time years ago. So um, also, is it bad if I'm allergic? What can I do? But yeah, no, they they got me up to uh, um, they got me up to um, Devon, the Devon stables where they do the horse show in in PA, and uh, got me up there for a day doing some training. 
So, yeah, they made sure I was prepared. <laughs> if worse comes to worse, were they going to just all put you on like merry-go-round horses? And yeah. just make <laughs> I was almost afraid to even ask. I was like, I hope this doesn't mean I don't get to be in it, but I don't know how to ride. No, they didn't ask me during the audition process. So I was like, I didn't think I would be on one until I got the script. And then I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> so. I've, yeah. I've only ridden a horse once, and that was on my honeymoon. Oh, my goodness. And- oh, that's so nice. <laughs> that's nice. Yeah, I, you know, my friend in college was like, hey, come home with me this weekend. We'll go horseback riding. I was like, that's cool. I've never done that. And 10 minutes later, I was, you know, just awful. <laughs> it, it was funny. My wife was kind of nervous about it, but she did great, and, and she just had a blast. I'm riding along on this horse and everybody was saying that, that I did really well and I didn't understand why because part of the r- ride I was kind of leaning forward and whispering to the horse going, okay, just don't throw me off. <laughs> I'm on my honeymoon. I don't need that as a honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're beautiful, beautiful animals, but they're enormous. I mean, yeah. they're just enormous. And then, you know, you can't be nervous around the horse because then they get nervous so it's it's like a lot of pressure you know once i got up there i was okay well you know during the training once i got up there i was fine and the way it was in the script you know i was going to be up there with my son so when i trained i was with i was up there with the trainer and i'm holding on to him and i've you know i felt great and comfortable and he knew what he was doing then on the set it's being Caleb and I met him two minutes ago, you know, and then I'm, you know, I'm up there and I'm trying to hold on to him. And it's just, it's very, it's a very different experience, you know, being like, you got, you got it right. We're not going to fall. Right. You got it. And you know, he was great. He knew exactly what he was doing. They said he did better than Idris with the, uh, the horseback riding. Yeah. I'm not surprised. He, he was good at everything, but yeah, I mean, getting up there and trying to hold on to Caleb McLaughlin and not fangirl out over the fact that it's Caleb McLaughlin. And then, you know, the fact that Idris is right here and then I'm on a horse is like, well, this is <laughs> this is a great first day, you know. It was fun. It was fun. That must have been a real surreal moment for you, though. Yeah, like they're micing me up and I turn and there's Caleb and he's like, mom. And I'm like, this, this is crazy. Mind you, I, you know, binged watched the first season of stranger things right before I showed up for set on my first day. So I'm thinking it's an 11 year old Caleb McLaughlin that I'm going to see. And instead it's the 17 year old man who's taller than me who comes out and he's like, mom, I'm like, so that was fun. And then, yeah they get us up on a horse and you know and then they kind of move our horse up to this other horse that's just sitting there and I just look over to my right and there's interest like a foot away from me and it's that's the most surreal moment I think of my entire life it's just (laughs) ah, you know and in fact we had a cute little exchange because um I looked at him I didn't know what to say and the first words out of my mouth were Oh, hello, husband. And he smiled at me and he's like, hello, wife. And I just about died. I was like, I can get off the horse now. I'm good. <laughs> My life is good. Yep, I can die happy. That's all I needed to do. Thank you. Thank you for hiring me. You know, <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Uh, we haven't talked about the, the actual plot of the movie. I know you don't want to give any spoilers <laughs> away. We, we should there, let the yeah. folks know. 
Yeah, the the story is, um, well, it's really about Cole, played by Caleb. He is a 15-year-old troubled kid in Detroit, and he's just been thrown out of, I believe it's his fifth school, maybe his third. I don't know. He's been thrown out of school multiple times. Um, So my character, his mother is, you know, just at the end of her rope, and she decides to drive through the night to Philadelphia to uh, drop him off on his father's doorstep and really kind of force his dad to take an active uh, part in his life for the summer. And of course, his dad is Idris Elba. Idris plays a black cowboy in Philly. So Cole is basically thrust into this life of the the cowboy lifestyle that he's known nothing about. I, I kind of think of it as like a coming of age story in the sense that he really has to decide for himself. Does he want this life, you know, in the streets or does he want this life that's going to teach him some kind of responsibility and also allow him to bond with a father that he's never known. So that's kind of the gist of the story. There's obviously lots that happen in it, but that's kind of the bare bones outline of what goes on. So, yeah. That's a very different kind of plot too. You don't, that doesn't sound like something that's been done over and over again. It's definitely uh, like a fresh take. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, father son stories, uh, you know, we have them, but they're not like this. This is a very, you know, kind of unique take on it. And then, like we said, too, it's it's historical as well, because, you know, this community that his father is in is an actual real life, you know, cowboy community. So, um, no, I don't think that there's been a story really like this that's had those kind of elements interwoven in it. And it's really, really quite exciting. I'm biased, but I think it's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it's a lot of fun. Now, uh, they've played it at Montreal Film Festival, was it? It was um, Toronto. Toronto, okay, I'm sorry. Toronto Film Festival, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, um, what I was reading from what, you know, the stuff that came out afterwards, people really, really seemed to enjoy it and enjoy the performances. And, um, you know, it's my first movie. It's Caleb's kind of big first movie role. Um, you know, he's been on TV and on Broadway and stuff, but this is really his shining movie role. And, um, you know, and of course Idris is great at whatever he does. <laughs> he, he's like so, one um, of the coolest people in the universe. Ricky, yeah, one of the, <laughs> one of the coolest, you know. Um, and then Ricky Staub, it's his, it's his kind of feature film debut as well. I know he's done short films. So for at least three of us, it's a really big kind of first opportunity in a lot of ways. So in some ways, I felt like we were on an even kind of on an even keel and in other ways I was like wait I don't know what you're talking about say that again I'm an amateur what (laughs) there were a couple moments I'm like I'm sorry do you want now (laughs) you know it was a great learning experience absolutely so is is there any talk of the movie coming to American screens is can we look forward to a date or anything I I can't really I can't really say I I, I've heard some things but I'm not really allowed to uh, reveal too much I know that we're sort of hoping that, you know, whatever happens with it, uh, everyone will be able to get the opportunity to see it. My hope is that, you know, if it's not in the theater, that it'll be on a streaming service. But I really, um, you know, I can't okay. really say too much else. Yeah, I don't want to get you in trouble. Is it? Ah, it's all good. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Is there anything else in your movie role future? Is there anything that 
you looking to it or are you just kind of taking things one film at a time? I'm, you know, taking things one film at a time. This has been such a journey. Just, you know, even getting to, to meet people to talk about it has been just so exciting. And I've already seen it starting to open up some doors. So in that sense, I'm very, very excited to see what's next. But um, as far as like what's coming up for me, I'm still working. I also write. Um, so I'm still working on a web series that I've been writing um, for a few months and we're trying to get that one up off the ground. Um, I may have to chat with you sometime because I actually want to do a podcast, but we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. I don't know. You're, you're much better at this than, than I am. So I don't know, Jen. <laughs> you're, I don't know. you're the pro. You're the pro. So, <laughs> um, but yeah. And then, you know, as far as um, other movie roles, you, you'll see me again for sure. We better. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm going to get, guarantee it whether i have to write it myself or you know whatever but now well i'll be out there okay sure. <laughs> and you, you had mentioned earlier before we started recording that you are an acting teacher on zoom yes i um i work for a school called i can entertainment or i can acts and it's spelled a-i-k-a-n as in nancy um and yeah i've been teaching for them for um Oh my, a little over a year now, actually. But we have classes on Wednesday nights and Saturday mornings. I teach a, actually, I teach a preteen acting class, but there's teen classes and adult classes as well. Um, but yeah, I, I love it. I love being able to, my daughter's in the class, my 13-year-old daughter's in the class. And I love being able to kind of, that's my way of giving back, sharing my knowledge, sharing some of my training um, I was lucky enough to go to a, you know, a, like a conservatory style college, but that's not something that everybody has the opportunity to do. So I'm able to kind of teach some techniques and things that I know. Um, but yeah, so that's what I, that's what I'm doing on the side as well. <laughs> well. That's, that's really great. I know they have something called masterclass where they have leading magicians and actors and they give little classes like, Hey, who knows if this movie you know, launches you into the upper stratosphere, you know, you're already there with the giving back portion. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I enjoy it regard and I'll try to keep doing that as long as I can. Cause it's, it's enjoyable for me to watching um, young actors really like that spark where they make that connection of, Oh, that's how I want to play this character or, Oh, that's what you mean by this technique or, Oh, did you see what I did? That choice I made, it was, so, you know, it felt so good. I love all of that kind of stuff. So I'm going to try to keep doing that as long as I can. <laughs> now, being a performer, as long as you've been between uh, acting and a musician, and mm -hmm. you said you have a teenage daughter, what's some advice that you would probably give your daughter if she decided to go into this field? Great question. Um, no math, know, though, I promised. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. I, <laughs> yes, no math. Uh, I, you know, if it was my daughter, um, because I happen to think she's quite good. I'm biased again, but I, you know, I've seen her act now enough where I'm like, no, you're, you're quite good. What I would say is, you know, if this is something that you truly, truly enjoy doing that, you know, you want to do, don't let anything stand in your way from a, achieving that goal, no matter how many years it takes, no matter where your path takes you, all the detours you have to go on. If you're passionate about it, it and you know, and if it's for you, it will be for you. I say this to my students too. I mean, look at me 
25 years and I'm finally, <laughs> you know, doing the thing I've been talking about since I was seven. So, you know, I, I think, and I would say this to any actor, including my daughter, but, you know, whatever you want to do, stick to it, be passionate about it, stick to it. And no matter what happens in your life, don't lose sight of the goal, right? Because so many people, so many actors, especially, you know, we drop out, get frustrated. We give up along the way because oh, it's too hard. Don't give up. That's my advice. I don't know that there's any other, I don't know that there's a, like a magical way to do it. If there is, I haven't found it. But my thing is just don't give up. You know, it might take a long time. It might take a short time. Usually doesn't take a short time. But if you're passionate about it, yeah. the journey is going to be worth it, no matter how much time it takes. And you may end up as did yourself as wife on screen. I mean, and stranger things have happened. But <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I still, I still pinch myself pretty much at least once a day. Like, did that really happen? It didn't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, once everybody gets to see this movie, they will know that it definitely happened. And I'm sure they're going to enjoy your performance as well. I hope so. I really hope so. This is Liz Priestley. Please keep an eye open for Concrete Cowboys with her, Idris Elba and Caleb McLaughlin. Yes. Coming soon to someplace. Someplace. <laughs> <laughs> we won't tell because we don't know. <laughs> and keep an eye open for this lady because I think there's going to be a lot of things that we are going to be seeing her in the near future. Yeah. I, I see an IMDb page growing very quickly. <laughs> yes, from your mouth. From your mouth, Jim. To God's ears. <laughs> the Sherpa has spoken. It's a Sherpa prediction here. <laughs> it's out there. It's out in the universe. It means it's got to happen. That's right. All right. So, Liz, thank you very much for coming on by. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Hello there, Rebels. It's me, Jim, the podcast chirper, interrupting my own podcast to let you know about another podcast that I've worked on. It's a little mini series, five episodes called Too Many 80s Songs. And I didn't work on it alone. I got a lot of help with my buddy, Uncle Bruce. You know him better as Mr. Bruce, but it's Uncle Bruce and me, Jim, the podcast chirper with the five-part podcast called Too Many 80s Songs. And we talk about, what else? 80s songs. And it's just a lot of unscripted conversation, a lot of silliness, a little trivia, and a lot of music. So please check it out. New episodes debut Monday for five weeks through January and February. And you can hear all those songs exclusively on Spotify. That's the only place that's playing the Too Many 80s Songs show. Little hint. If you don't get to hear the songs in their entirety on Spotify, check my social media, Chirpolution, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for the link to all the songs that we included and some that we didn't. If you're a big fan of 80s music and you've got a special 80s request or dedication, send it to me. And if we get enough requests, we're going to come back and do a special request and dedication show. Hope you listen. Hope you enjoy it so much. Viva la Sher Pollution. We're on that internet thingy at SherPollution.com Thanks so much for listening to the Sherpa Screening Room. This has been your buddy, Jim the Podcast Sherpa, and thank you so much to Liz Priestley and also a special thanks to previous guest Michael Spedden for introducing her into the SJ Network world and, and also, of course, a thanks to Stephen Joyner for making it all happen and Michael for the introduction.
So if you like this show and you want to follow us on social media, Sherpolution, that's the word you need to know. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I'm there, all over the place, just everywhere. <laughs> so guess what we're going to be doing on Friday? We will be talking to a magician and mentalist. And we actually do a trick on the show, believe it or not. I'm not kidding. Really enjoyable. His name is Anthony Prosciutti. We will be talking to him on Friday. So if you're enjoying the show, head on over to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or iHeartRadio. And you know what? You got a place to leave reviews. If you can, put in a nice word about the show, Too Many Podcasts, and encourage people to Get involved with the Sherpa Lucian. Nobody gets hurt. I promise nobody will get hurt. You'll make the pandemic go away. Oh, no, I'm not allowed to say that legally. Oh, go. Uh oh, I see that red light flashing. We're in trouble. Okay, disregard that last statement. Pretend that, pretend that I never said it. Anyway, we will be back on Friday. And Mr. Bruce, I'm sure you will be riding a horse right out and out of here. But just be careful around those cliffs. Okay, sir? Well, thank you for showing everybody the door. And Rebels... I will see you on Friday. Viva la Sherpolution. Thanks for listening to the Sherpa Screening Room. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast. I'm Mr. Bruce, and this has been a Sherpa Loose Studios production. Viva la Sherpolution.